Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts this morning be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Bless us this morning as we study your word. Send your Holy Spirit to work through your word and, and make us healthy and strong in our faith that we might be equipped to live for you and serve you in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is no fun to be lost. You agree? Um, we talked in the children's message about being lost in the store. I don't know if any of you have hypothetically experienced this. Um, I feel like this is a thing that happens to a lot of kids at some point in time. In fact, I know of one mom, I know of her, who used to intentionally lose each kid one time just so that they could have that feeling of being really scared and being away from her and then they would know to not wander too far. So maybe being lost in the store is something that you can relate to, but maybe you've been lost in a different place. I was thinking of many different scenarios, but what about this one? It's where like you're driving, trying to get somewhere in a city you're not familiar with and you don't have a car charger and your phone dies and you're basically out of gas. And so you're navigating like this, you're not on the highway where there's signs, so you're like trying to find a gas station before you run out of gas in the darkness in an unfamiliar part of the city and you have no way to navigate and no way to communicate. And uh, being lost is not a, a super fun feeling. So this week I was kind of trying to analyze what are the different feelings that you feel when you're lost. And I think the first one you feel is annoyance. You're just, come on, this is ridiculous. And so you start looking harder and searching harder and just frustrated that this is happening. And then when you can't find your way out of it, the annoyance switches to, to anger. Because this is going to, like, this is inconveniencing you, but it's going to inconvenience other people. Like, people are going to have to, what, come look for you. You're, now you're wasting their time. Now you're going to be late for your, for your thing. Now people are going to be really worried. So now you're angry about it, which doesn't help you to get found. And then you switch to fear and panic. And maybe you can relate to this feeling where like your heart starts to beat a little bit faster and your breathing speeds up and you almost are at the verge of tears and you're just like, why is this happening to me? And you're like, what's gonna happen to me next? It's not fun to be lost. But there's something less fun than being lost. There's something worse than being lost and that is being lost and not realizing it. So think about this, like what could be, what could be more disturbing? Let's, let's say you're lost in the woods. What could be more disturbing than if you confidently think that you are hiking you know, back to the safe place, back to the station, whatever, and you're just marching way deeper into the wilderness where nobody's gonna find you. And the, the faster you march, the further you go, the more confident you are that you're probably almost there and you're actually just burying yourself deep, deep in the woods where you're gonna be so hard to find. There is something deeply terrifying about not just being lost, but not realizing it, and even being confident that you're headed the right direction when you are going so very much the wrong direction. And yet, there is one thing that's even more scary than just being lost or being lost and not realizing it. I think the scariest of all would be this scenario, being lost and not realizing it in life. So imagine going through your life and imagine like a person that's pursuing their life goal and they are, they're focused on this goal, 
They are, they are orienting their whole life around this goal. They're chasing down this goal. Any opportunity they get to grab a hold of this goal, they will. Except the problem is this goal that they are pursuing is a complete mistake. It's not going to help them. When they reach the goal, it's going to hurt them. When they reach the goal, it's going to destroy them. What a sad and scary thing this would be to watch. A misguided person confidently running towards their own destruction. I think you'd say that's definitely the worst kind of lostness of all. In our sermon text today, God tells us something that shocks us. He says that idea of a misguided person confidently running towards their own destruction, that person is us. Or at least it was the way that we were born into this world. God tells us every single person is born into this world in a state of being spiritually lost. And he says it like this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So here is the situation. As human beings, we're not uh, static creatures who just want to sit here in our life. As human beings, we are highly motivated. We are motivated to pursue things. We are motivated to achieve things. We are motivated to push after things, but because of our sinful nature, we chase and try to achieve and push after all of the wrong things is the problem. And so we, we can run through our life chasing after short-term pleasure. We can run through our life chasing after wealth and possessions. We can run through our life chasing after the admiration of other people. We can run through our life chasing after all kinds of things besides God. And then our life eventually ends. And it's always far too quickly before we're ready. And now we stand before the God of the universe, the one who holds the keys to everlasting life. And what have we done? Well, we spent our entire existence basically ignoring him and pursuing temporary goals that were never going to last, chasing the wind. And as a result, we know what we deserve. We are, by nature, deserving of God's wrath. A wasted life and a lost eternity. That's got to be the worst kind of lostness that there could be. And that would have been all of our story were it not for the facts that get introduced in verse 4 of our sermon text. So you're reading through our sermon text and saying, man, this is bad. And then we hit verse 4 and this is the turning point where suddenly hope starts to spring forth. And it all starts with the words, but because of God. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So these verses are summarizing something that on the surface seems completely impossible. It's a total 180, right? It's from one absolute extreme to the other. 
We once were dead spiritually, but now we are alive. We once were lost spiritually, but now we are found. And you ask, how could such a complete reversal of fortunes happen to us so suddenly? It could only happen through Jesus. And so to help you grasp, I guess, the enormity of what Jesus did, I want you to picture one more scenario of lostness. So here it is. Here's the best picture I could find for this. But imagine that you're lost, not in a grocery store, not on a hiking trail, not in a city, but you're lost in this, a, a bleak, desolate wilderness where there is just nothing but hot, burning, dry sand as far as the eye can see. You're more than lost. You are utterly stranded. You're out of food. You're out of water. The hot sun is beating down on you. If all you can see is sand in every direction, I mean, you're out of hope. You probably have only a few days to survive. You maybe have only a few hours to survive. And the one thing you know is that if any other human being shows up in the middle of this God-forsaken wasteland, that person has got to be just as lost and doomed as you are. And yet, as you're thinking this, you see the one thing that you never would expect to see. You see another person in the middle of this bleak wilderness. And as it turns out, this one person is not lost. In fact, they're on a mission. In fact, they're searching, and they're searching for you. And this person just finds you in the middle of nowhere. As it turns out, he has everything needed for the perfect rescue. Right? He's got the satellite phone to call for help. He's got a helicopter waiting as soon as it gets the phone call. He's got a backpack full of food and water and medical supplies. He's got the pop-up canopy to shade you from the burning sun. I mean, this guy has thought of everything. And so now, all of a sudden, you're sitting there eating the granola bar, drinking out of the water bottle. You've got the space blanket around your shoulders. People are loading you into a helicopter. And there's one thought going through your mind. Who is this guy? And why was he out here? Well, as you learn, this is an individual who has specifically devoted his entire life to saving those who can't save themselves, to rescuing people who would seem to be unrescuable, to providing hope when it seems that hope is gone. And the other thing you learn about this individual is that he does it all for free. He, he foots the bill. So there's not going to be a bill that comes. There's not fine print that comes. There's not something that you have to pay. Out of the goodness of his own heart, this incredibly wealthy rescuer insists on paying the full price, footing the full bill for your rescue. So he not only went and personally did it, but he also paid for it all himself. So now this is a pretty good day. Wait, maybe it's not a pretty good day because it started out being lost in the bleak wilderness, but it certainly ended a much better day than it started. And this imaginary story with this imaginary rescuer, I think it is good to help us understand like, what exactly it is that the Bible says Jesus did for us. Starting with, with just the setting. right? That when you and I were born into this world, we were not just a little bit misguided in our beliefs. We were not just a little bit off base and we needed to be nudged back in. Our sinful mind was hostile to God. We were spiritually stranded miles from God, as good as dead, in the middle of nowhere. Like, spiritually speaking, we were way, way, way out there. But then what did Jesus, the Son of God, do? 
He went way, way, way out there to get us. And we talk about this so often, I think we forget how amazing it is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ from heaven, comes down, takes on human flesh, and just drops himself into the middle of this bleak wilderness of a sin-filled human world. And you think of all the painful, sad, scary things that happen in this life, the suffering, the sadness, death itself, the darkness of this world. Jesus has experienced all these things because he dropped himself into this spiritual wasteland and lived a whole life in this world. But he didn't just live a whole life in this world himself. Jesus, our rescuer, also insisted on paying for our rescue himself. And so he lived a completely perfect life with no sins in it, and that was the payment for us to be rescued and go to heaven. And then, at the end of his life, Jesus went to the cross, and there he did not just get crucified, but there he suffered God's wrath, which we deserved for our sins. And it was our sins of wandering from God, and it was our sins of fighting against God, and it was our sins of chasing after all of this stuff that is not God and is not going to eternally satisfy chasing after short-term pleasures, chasing after wealth and possessions, chasing after the admiration of, of other people, chasing after everything that's not God. All of these sins Jesus took upon himself and he took the wrath. He paid the price for all human sin in the entire world. And then, after entering our world himself and paying for us himself, Jesus came and personally connected this to our life through the message of the gospel written down in the Bible, through the water of baptism being poured over our head, through the witnessing and encouragement of our Christian friends. This may be how it started. Jesus took the love and the forgiveness that he had paid for the whole world and he connected it personally to us. He connected it personally to you. And in the instant that Jesus did that, God yanked you out of the wilderness of sin and seated you with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And there, in coming ages, he will show you the incomparable riches of his grace as you get to spend eternity with God in heaven. So what a total transformation. Rescued, saved, adopted into God's family before we even realized what was happening, pulled out of nowhere, and set into the heavenly realms with Christ. Our story is a super dramatic story. I think sometimes we just forget how dramatic it was. And so maybe we think of it like, well, I was sort of off base, and Jesus came and like redirected me. You know, I was wandering a little bit, and Jesus came and nudged me back home. And we almost like to think of it like if Jesus hadn't come and got us, like we probably would have found our way to God eventually. But that's simply not the truth. We were so far away from God that we were actively headed in the wrong direction, confidently, because we thought we knew what we were doing, but the sinful mind was hostile to God. We all were born headed directly away from God. The only way for us to find God would be for God to find us. And that's what he did. But so Paul reminds us, he says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not something that came from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Your rescue story 
my rescue story is the most dramatic rescue story in the history of the world. Not only were we lost, we didn't want to be found, and yet God in his grace found us anyway. So it's no fun being lost. It's even scarier to be lost and not realize it. It is scariest to be lost in life and not realize it. But it is the best of all to be found by God, a God who loves us, a God who forgives us, and a God who has done everything necessary for us to actually spend eternity in heaven with him one day. So one last question for you this morning. Now that we have been found, what are we supposed to do? And now we've made it back to civilization, right? We've been rescued. So now what are we supposed to do? Well, as long as there are still other people wandering around in the wilderness, there's kind of only one choice, isn't there? Join Jesus in bringing more people home. Because the forgiveness has been won. The price has been paid. The home in heaven has been prepared. But how does Jesus get these things to people? Well, we said it already. It's through the message of his love written down in the Bible. It's through the waters of baptism poured over our heads. And it is through the witnessing and encouragement of Christian friends. Christian friends like you and me. So now that we have been rescued, God has given us a greater meaning in life. He's given us a greater purpose to pursue than just chasing after whatever short-time thing we want to here and now. Instead, Paul closes. He says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only has God brought about our incredible rescue story, but by his grace, God is preparing and planning for us to play a role in the rescue stories of others. So that's what we'll talk about as our sermon series continues next week. We're going to talk about the lost coin and the lost sheep and how much rejoicing there is when the lost is found. And we're going to move to God taking us and using us to help others be found by his grace and love and mercy.